You are listening to the Equip Podcast. This weekly course seeks to equip our church, and we pray it can help you as well. Check out more resources at rockycreek.church. You to turn in your scriptures to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be looking at a couple of different places, but you can go ahead and start there. That's an easy one to find. First page in there, okay? So Genesis chapter 1. And uh, tonight, uh, as we're talking about theology, a study of God, we're going to talk about the study of us. Now, here's the deal. When you get to theology and talking about God, it's been pretty good so far because we've been talking about Him. But we're going to talk about us, which gets a little complicated, right? Um, and, but one thing I do know is that probably we're all going to be very interested because typically we are our favorite subject, right? Okay, we, we, we love to, to, to think about ourselves and how we're wired and whatnot. But So tonight, we're going to talk about human nature. Uh, and within the concept of human nature, we have... Uh, this wonderful, glorious side of that, uh, at our best, we can glorify God and bring good to this world. There are people in your life that have the gift of encouragement, that have done things in your life, that have truly changed your life. You can see people that make incredible pieces of art or can sing a wonderful um, aria or, or build this or do that and just marvel at all the wonders of who people are. And then you also can come across hurt and pain like nothing else, right? That The issue is, is for all the good and the great and the gloriousness of what can be, Mankind, uh, we can make quite a train wreck of the whole situation. And so uh, you, you see in your opening notes there that mankind's distinct nature derives from being made in the image of God. That's where we're going to go at tonight to make sure we understand the weight of that statement. That as image bearers, men and women are called to be like God. So it's not just a sense of, uh, well, uh, God's like this and we're, you know, we do our own thing. At the very heart of who you are, who I am, we are called to be like God. And whenever we are not that, we just it's like we're trying to squeeze into something of which we do not fit. And so tonight, uh, as we look, we're going to be talking about three kind of different sections. The first one is this, that we are, uh, as people, we are made like creatures, other creatures. Okay, When God created all things, we are made like them, but not exactly. Okay, So there are certain elements about uh, when you look at anything in creation, that God made all things, that includes you and I. And so we're kind of like other creatures, but we are kind of different as well, right? And to understand that distinctness is very important. So think about it this way. God is the author of all creation, but father to some of it. Okay, God is the author of all creation, but father to some of it. And so what you need to know about this is that God is going to create all things, but yet there's a unique nature in the which that he actually uh, relates to some of creation. So give you this example. If you look at Genesis 1-1, I want you to look at that verse of Scripture that you've got there in front of you. And uh, probably, I know we may all have different translations, but I think most translations all say the same thing. So can we just read it all together? In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Sounded pretty good. Okay, wow, we did awesome there. Okay, um, in the beginning, what? Who created? Okay, so you see this name here, God created. That's the name Elohim, right? Now, if you turn over to chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. So chapter 1 gives you the breakneck pace of the first week where God created all things, right? All six days, rest on the seventh day. Uh, God created, God created, God created, God created. Genesis chapter 2 takes you back to day 6. Okay, Even though he's already spoken of day 6 when he created man in his own image, 
he goes back to it, chapter 2, and says, hey, I know that I went through really quick uh, this kind of thing. So it's, uh, imagine, if you will, you're watching Sports Center, and here's all the highlights of the game. They're going to say, now let's go back to first quarter when such and such happened, and we're going to look at that from every single angle. Chapter 2 is kind of let's look at what I just told you about from a different angle. Why? Why does he look at day 1 again, day 2 again, 3, 4, 5, day 6? Because something was created very different on that day. And, uh, and interestingly enough, for the first time, a new name is used when he looks at that. Verse number four, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the what? Lord God created or made the heavens and the earth. So understand this, that whenever you see Lord, all capital letters in Rocky Creek, folks, you've heard me say this a thousand times, but it's important and we, we're going to say it again. Um, whenever you see the Lord in all caps in your Old Testament, that is referring to the Old Testament name for God in the name of Yahweh, the great I am. I am who I am. Some people would call it also Jehovah. Jehovah, Yahweh, I am. What's taking place there is when Moses uh, is being spoken to by the bush, he says, well, which God are you? He says, I am who I am. That's the name Yahweh, okay? So whenever you see in the Old Testament when it says Lord, all capital letters, that is the name of Yahweh that's being tucked in there. So I want you to get this. When he starts chapter 1, he just says this generic form of God. In the beginning, God created, God created, God created, God created. But when you get to Adam, it says the Lord God created. Why would he say that? Because while God is the author of all creation, he is the father to some, and the only ones of which you would call him upon his personal name are those created in his image. So in the beginning, God created all things. But the Lord God, Yahweh. So, so once again, if you come up to me and someone says, Pastor Agnew, I know we don't know each other that well, right? If somebody calls me Dr. Agnew, you really don't know me well, okay? Now, you call me Travis, you call me Pastor Trav, you call me PT, you call me something like this, okay? Like, I know we're close, right? We're close. That, that I know you know who I am, right? So when he says the Lord God created, he said, hey, out of all the, crea all the creations, right, the sun, the moon, the stars, all the animals and stuff, they might know him as God, but this one here knows his first name. He knows his character because he's made like him. He's supposed to have a relationship with him unlike anything else. So what happens is look at the change of God's activity regarding each day's focal creation, okay? So, so think about it. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, and I've, I've kind of just summarized some of this for you here. But Genesis chapter 1, if I were to break down the days of creation, I want you to notice something about the verbs in which he says here. So look at the change that's happening in God's activity, okay? So let's look, uh, verse uh, one, chapter 1, verse 3, because let there what? Be. Uh, does it sound like God's putting a lot of effort into that creation of light? Let there be light, right? Some of y'all would like to say this. Let there be a date on Friday night. Right? Okay, let it happen, Lord. Let it happen, okay? Like, let there be more money in my bank account. Make it happen. Let it be so, right? Let there be. Like, we, we can't do it exactly like that. He says, let there be light. That's on day one. He just, he speaks it, right? Let there be. Day two, Genesis 1 through 6, let there be an expanse. He separates the, the sky and the waters. Okay, he kind of separates this. And how does he do it? Let there be. <laughs> let there be a sky. That's pretty impressive. He can speak this in existence. Day 3, chapter 1, verse 9, he says, Let the waters be gathered. And what takes place here is he basically imagines, separates like the waters here, waters here. And what you got here is you got land. Make sense? He kind of puts the land up. So he separates. Day 3, he, he separates land. But once again, let it be gathered. Let's just let it happen. 
what, what, what kind of work is he doing? He's just speaking it. Just speaking it into existence. Day four, let there what? Be lights. That's the sun. That's the moon, the stars. That's impressive, just speaking that into existence. Be hard to craft it with your hands, but just saying it, it happens. That's awesome. Let there be lights. Day four. Uh, day five, Genesis 1.20. Let the waters swarm. Let the birds fly. Just pff, let them out there. Let it happen, right? Uh, day six, we enter into the land animals. In chapter 1, verse 24, it says, Let the earth bring forth living creatures. Let the earth just pop them out, right? Just let, let, Come on out with ostriches. Come on out with elephants. Come on out with giraffes. Let it be. And then Genesis 1.26, we're still on day six. But what he does not say here is let it be. He says, let us what? There's a difference. There's a difference here. And it is intentional. The author is just saying, let it be, let it happen, let it be, let it happen, let it be. Let us make. Well, first off, who's the us, folks? I would believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Genesis 1-2 says that the Spirit was hovering over the waters. In fact, when it says, in the beginning God created, God is singular, created is plural, which basically means this. It's bad Hebrew grammar. Why would it do that? Because he's showing you it's something bigger than just what you would typically think of. It's more than just God created. It's God created. The God that could say, let us make man in our image. Well, we're not made in the image of angels, so he's not talking about the angels here, folks. He's not talking about the other. He's saying, let us make man in our image. So you see here, I mean, once again, you can just circle that on your page, but there's something different about man, right? He's not just saying this. He is making man, which is very, very different. So if you look at Genesis 1, 26 there, then God said, let us make man, right, in what? Our image, okay? So once again, there's, there's something plural going on here. After our likeness. So we got image, we got likeness here. And let them have dominion over the what? Over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, right? Uh, and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I know that's what you woke up this morning thinking. You know what I got? I don't have a lot of control in my life, but I got dominion over the animals, praise God, okay? I don't know if that fires you up at all, right? I don't know if that gets you excited or not. Um, but he says... There's a difference between all of these creations. There is one that's got his image, and it's supposed to rule over everything that does not. Okay? Now, let's keep that for a second, because that is important for you to get in your head. So he goes, let them have dominion, power, authority over the fish, over the birds, over the livestock, over the creeping thing. Once again, I know it's not what you woke up in the morning thinking, but uh, I guess it was about a year or so ago, I came home on a Sunday night. Uh, my wife calls and she goes, hey, there's a snake in our backyard. It's getting close to your daughter and your dog. You need to get home now, okay? So I get home, I, I rush in, and it's just it's this snake, and, and I'm going, uh, you know, everybody's like, was it was it a, a good snake or a bad snake? All of them look bad to me. It's the way I see it, okay? Like, I know some of them have good purposes, whatever, but it, I kept trying to move it out towards the backyard. It kept moving towards my house. I thought, it's either going to bite my dog or my dog's going to try to eat it. It's not going to turn up good, right? So I get my boys together and I said, all right, let me tell you something. I said, I, I'll kill this snake and I've killed a lot of snakes, all right? But you boys are coming to age. It's about time one of y'all chop this thing's head off, okay? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, I want one of y'all to get this shovel and I want you to take this thing out. They're like, that thing's out. I said, no, 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 you can't go at it, you know, passive. Like, you got to go into commanding and you got to take this thing out. They're like, what do I do? I said, 
You go up with that shovel, you hit him clean right above that head, and want to let you know he's going to still be squirming, but when you do it, I want you to yell one thing really, really loud. Yell, Dominion! Okay, when you do it, okay? Wake the neighbors up, and you just you tell all the creeping things around this yard, there's somebody who's in charge here, right? Well, one of my sons did it. They went, Dominion! Oh, okay. And got, got the snake out or whatever, and, uh, and then they said, okay, I feel a little queasy. Can you take it out of here? But the, the, the thought is this, that... Uh, I know that you may not feel this way around all things, but he's saying, uh, if you've ever ridden a gigantic horse and you think, this thing could take me out if I want to, right? Now, not all the time, but you can control that thing with a little thing in his mouth, right? Uh, you, you might have, uh, I, my dog, my, my puppy sometimes will get a little crazy or whatever, and he's faster than me, but I can outsmart that dog, okay? And I, I can put him in his place if I need to. There's something different, what, what Scripture is trying to say. There's something different between us and all the different creations that are happening here. What? What is it? We're made like them. We're not made exactly like them. Why? Because we're the only thing that has God's image. He might go day upon, stamped upon us, right? Look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and what? Female. Okay. Male and female, he created them. Apparently, God thinks there's a distinction between those two genders. From the very beginning, God says he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. But also, he created male in his image. He also created female in his image. That does not mean that God is both a male and a female. That just means this. There are common characteristics that both share. But there's also some very distinct differences, if you have not noticed. And I'm not drawing a picture on this one, folks. Okay, you ought to know this by now, okay? There is a difference between this. And from the opening chapter of Scripture, God says he makes male, he makes female, and both are created in his image. Both have dignity, both have value, both have worth. Okay? Now, so out of all this, God made, let there be, let there be, let there be, and then all of a sudden to man, he goes, let us make. If you will, just kind of take it for example, like how at least my mind goes to it. God spoke all things into existence, but with people he got his hands dirty. Right? It says that he formed Adam from the what? Dust of the earth, right? He kind of gets his fingernails in there and starts wiggling around and forms this thing together. I imagine the angels were shocked. God's putting his hand in mud. What's he doing? All he's been just doing is sitting on his throne going, let there be light, let there be sun, let there be stars. And that's pretty easy. He goes, I got one more creation to make. Why are you getting off your throne? Because I'm going to get my hands dirty on this one. Puts his hands and, and forms together and forms this man. But he's not alive yet. Until God's breath comes into it, right? If you will, the spirit comes in. Same, same word, same Hebrew word, the breath, the spirit. So God does what? It says he breathes the breath of life. It's the first CPR in history, right? Okay? And it's the one that has continued on for the very reason that you and I have life is because God first gave life to that bundle of dirt. So he said... Let there be constellations. Let there be fish. Let there be birds. Let there be the Arctic Ocean. Let there be Mount Everest. Let there be all that stuff. But let us make this one. Because we want to have our, our hands on this one. And this one's going to be different than all of the other creations. God's creation of mankind is noticeably different from all other creations. It's very different. It's supposed to be different. 
And if we don't respect that, we're going to get a whole lot of things out of order here, right? Because Scripture said originally on that we have dominion over these other animals, over these other creations. And so we are meant to have dominion and subdue, to let things be in order, not in chaos. So that's why it's okay and acceptable for you to say, if I have the opportunity of letting my child get killed by a snake or the snake getting killed, I'm going to choose the snakes getting his head chopped off. And I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. You know why? She's got a soul. That does not. She's been made in the image of God. That thing is not. That thing's, I think, been pretty much made in the image of Satan. That's a whole other story for another day, right? But the reality is there's a difference between these types of creations. The ability to reason make us distinctly different from creatures within the animal kingdom. Um, my dog really doesn't reason other than the fact of I'm hungry, I'm going to just you know, chew whatever up, right? Um, other animals, they don't have the ability to reason. Cats have the ability to try to hypnotize you and kill you in your sleep. That's a different one. Again, but like, they don't have the ability to reason. Animals don't have a soul. They don't have a conscience. And before you say, what about my dog? Is it going to be in heaven? I don't. Mm, okay. Uh, I know that scripture speaks about animals being in heaven in some type of way. I don't mean that Fluffy is going to be there. I don't know. Okay. But I do know this. I don't care how much you love your animal. You, that animal does not have a soul. That animal will not live forever. Okay. What makes us distinct? The ability to reason. To be completely different within this. Now, here's, here's the reality, right? God said... We're going to make this creation in my image, in our image, and it's going to have dominion over all these animals, right? Now you take what's happening in our culture today, and you see that we have flipped it, right? Think about it this way. Our culture puts more value on protecting animal eggs than human life. This is how we flip this thing, folks. At once... God says there's one thing that's been made in our image to have dominion over all things. And yet the United States of America will go completely bonkers and spare no expense to save one eagle egg. And yet we will abort millions of babies within the womb. And that is accepted. This is a criminal offense. You know that you can be put in jail for killing an animal that's on the extinct list? But yet you can actually get a voucher to be able to kill a child within your womb. This is called a messed up civilization, folks. Why? One is made in the image of God, one is not. And we have completely flipped this on our head. And, and so this, what, what takes place is we, we've got this so messed up that we put more premium on, on, on the life of an animal and no cruelty to pets Anytime you ever see a movie and there's an animal that's even in the movie, they're going to have this whole thing like, don't worry, we had all these veterinarians and safety people on the set so that little, you know, this dog here didn't get a scratch while he was doing this, this you know, scene here. We want to make sure you know that. But we don't care how many children are killed within the womb. Most dangerous place in the United States of America right now is the womb where a mother does not want that child. This is the world that we live in. Abortion is the highest killer in the United States of America. It's worse than cancer. Imagine this. It's worse than COVID. Abortion has killed more little men and little women than you can possibly imagine. And so for all these people who say, I am for women's rights, I am too. I'm just for the rights for little women that are in the womb. I want them to have the right to have a choice to life. That's where I want. The image of God is stamped upon them in the womb, right? 
Some of you folks know this. A few, um, maybe a month or so ago, I asked you guys to pray before we started about a baby that was born prematurely at 20 weeks. This child, six inches long. Six inches. Doctors and nurses say, no chance of success. A child's now uh, 16 inches, doubled or tripled in weight. Uh, he's responding, eyes opening, crying, eating, all kinds of stuff like this. He's basically on just minimal life support. He's tiny, but he's made in the image of God. He's beautiful to me. Absolutely beautiful to me. Why? That life needs to be protected. And if that life at 20 Six inches is sustaining outside the womb. And what is our culture allowing us to take out even larger than that within the womb right now? Why? It's not a life. Apparently Christopher is. Apparently he is. Apparently he can make it on his own, right? He, he's working this kind of stuff. And yet, we have flipped this. We don't have dominion over the animals. We have been put under dominion. And anyone who does not, if we can outvote them or outsize them, we are breaking and, and distorting the image of God stamped upon us when we take out the image of God that's stamped within us within the womb. And this is a battle that you go, why, why talk about human nature and theology? Because this comes down to the heart of what's happening in our culture right now, right? Look, look and, and this is what's remarkable to me, what Psalm 8, 3, and 4 says. God, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are even mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? When I look at all that God created, I go, why would he even care for someone like me? Because he's placed his image upon me. Because I'm meant to reflect him in a different way than anyone else out there. It is a different, different thing because I have the image of God stamped upon me. Turn the page over to also, in addition to being made like creatures, but not exactly. We are made like God, but let me tell you, not exactly. Okay, We are made, just like I said, in the image of God, in the likeness of God. Psalm 95, 6 through 7, says it this way. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our what? Maker. Maker. He made us. He designed us. He created life, which therefore means this. Your mama said it this way. I brought you into this world, and I take you out of it. Okay? Um, God is the truly author of he brought us into this world, and we need to listen to what our Maker says. For he is our God, and we are the people of his what? pasture and the, the sheep of his hand. So deep down, we look at God as the creator, knowing he's a sustainer, and so we reorient our life to say we are meant to be in God's pasture, but we are not meant to be the shepherd. He's the shepherd, we're the flock, right? And, and, and so we, we're, we're caused, to, we're like him, we bear his likeness, his image, we're to be like him, but we cannot be exactly like him. So we are made in the image of God, and we bear his likeness. That was what the original thing is calling us to, to be and to do. We're, we're made in the image of God. We, we bear his likeness. And, and what does that mean? Does that mean I look like God? Well, we know that scripture teaches that God is spirit, right? So it's not necessarily as easy as, oh yeah, well I'm sure that you know, God looks like this and looks like that. God is spirit, but we, we are made in the image to bear his likeness to others. So there are certain things about God that he stamps upon our own lives. For, so for example... Um, you remember that time where uh, some folks came up to Jesus and they were trying to trap Jesus in his words? And they, they, sh uh, they say, hey, uh, Jesus, uh, should we pay uh, taxes to who? Remember? Caesar. To Caesar, right? Now, all right, here's, here's the picture. 
Jesus is a Jewish man living in a Jewish nation that the Roman Empire, of which Caesar is over, has taken over occupancy. So they own them, right, so to speak. They're living in their land, but they've got to pay taxes to Caesar. So if you're a Jewish person, do you like paying taxes to a Roman man that is really not your king but takes your land? Or Do you want to pay taxes to him? No. But if you're a Roman person living in there, do you think everybody should be paying taxes to your leader? Absolutely. Guess what? They gathered people from both of those groups. They gathered Pharisees, the Jewish people, and Herodians, people of Herod, the Roman Empire, and said, all right, both the groups are in here. So you tell us, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They go, we got you. We got you trapped. Because if you say pay taxes to Caesar, all the Jewish people are going to hate you and try to get you killed. If you say don't pay taxes to Caesar, all the Romans are going to hate you and try to get you killed. We got you. He said, show me the coin. What? Show me the coin. Pulls out the denarius and goes, here. He goes, so whose image is stamped upon that coin? Caesar's. Okay. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God's what is God's. Now, why at the moment did everybody go, ooh, and they walked away? I go, he didn't answer the question. Oh, he answered the question. He also blew their minds. You know why? If you, I don't know if any of y'all ever, if you have change anymore, I don't know if people still do that, right? Pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, like that kind of stuff. Okay, they're still out there. Um, Abraham Lincoln stamped on a penny doesn't mean it belongs to Abraham Lincoln, but it does belong to the, the nation of which he represents, right? The, the image is stamped upon it, which means that you might have it, but it don't really belong to you. It's somebody going to take it one day, okay? Why? Because that image stamped upon it shows you who it belongs to. When he says this, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, but also give to God what's God's. The image of Caesar is stamped upon the coin, but the image of God is stamped upon you. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to the one whose image is stamped upon you, Right? You, you, you belong to it. So, so that image is stamped upon you. It changes everything. That's why everybody walked out of there going, oh, uh, we don't got anything to say. And he's like, any more questions? Like, nope, nothing, nothing else, right? Why? Yeah, you give to Caesar if that image is stamped upon it, but you better give to God where his image is stamped upon. And that's where you and I are. We're made in the image of God. We bear his likeness is what we call it to do. So when we are made like God, even though we're not exactly, what is our call to do? Well, in the Old Testament, command to be fruitful and what? Multiply. All right, in the simplest of terms, you don't know be fruitful and multiply means have lots of babies, right? Uh, get married, have kids, fill it up. Why? Well, if I'm made in the image of God, you know what's better than just one person made in the image of God? Uh, lots of little images of God, all floating around here. I, when I see the little pictures of Christopher doing well, I go, that's God's image. Look at that. I want people to see that beautiful baby's face, right? I, I just, I want, I, I love thinking about how God's image is stamped upon red and yellow, black and white, male and female, young and old, everywhere that you go, right? All of that aspect. So the Old Testament command to be fruitful and multiply, so fill up the earth with his image. And then you take the New Testament command to make what? Make disciples. It's really, if you think about it, it's the same command. Because in the Old Testament, to be fruitful and multiply implied that you were going to teach your kids the ways of the Lord, right? And now in the New Testament, some of these people had kids, some of these people didn't have kids, but the whole fact of it, we can have spiritual kids, and what are we called to do? Make disciples. Why? Because we want all allowing his image restored upon us to be seen throughout the whole world. We want to be walking advertisements to this world. God is king, and he is worthy of praise. We want our entire lives to be doing that, so that's why... Having kids and making disciples and all kinds of stuff is a beautiful opportunity to show the world that we belong to him. Dignity is deserving of every person marked with the image of God. 
So what that means is um, there is no race, no ethnicity, no gender that is superior to another. There is no ethnicity in this room that in the kingdom of God is majority or minority. You understand me? Not in God's kingdom. None of that going on. <laughs> every tribe, every nation, every tongue. It's not like, well, there's a lot of people. No, 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 no. Um, by the way, just so everybody hopes you know this, right? Uh, even though in, in, in our culture, the United States of America, I may see as a majority ethnicity in a lot of unfortunate ways as, as it plays out, you do realize that I follow a Jewish carpenter, right? From the Middle East who spoke Aramaic. And that Jesus would probably look more like someone that you would typically look like on the other side of the world than he would do a Caucasian American, just by the way. Just to let you know that. Surprise. Uh, I know you had some pictures when the church you grew up in, he was like white and blonde hair and looked like Fabio blowing in the wind, right? That's not him, okay? It's not Jesus, okay? Um, this... Jesus Christ was Middle Eastern, which means this. For me to be reached means that Jesus did cross-cultural evangelism. I'm not the majority in the kingdom of God. I'm not better than anybody in the kingdom of God. Because I'm male, I'm not better than anybody in the kingdom of God. That's not how this works. Dignity is deserving of every person marked with the image of God. So if you've ever been um, disrespected because of your ethnicity, I hate it and broken because of it, and I cannot wait till we get to the kingdom of God where all that stuff is gone. Yeah. I cannot wait for that Come day. I, I cannot stand to think about atrocities that happened in the past, but also just the disrespect that happens today at all level. And as the people of God, we say that we look at you and we realize that we're all different colors, all different ethnicities. It is an important thing about you, but it is not the most important thing about you. The most important color about me is the blood of Jesus Christ that saved me, not the skin color that I got. That can, that can come and go, right? So, so at the end of the day, it's an important part of me. It's, it's not the only... Dignity is every ethnicity. Dignity is every gender. We live in a world where females have been disrespected um, and, and abused and manipulated in all types of ways, and it is time for the people of God to stand up and say, not on our watch. It's not going to happen. We are going to stand up for those who cannot stand for themselves. Children that are disregarded, adults in this room are going to stand up and say, not on my watch. That's not going to happen to you there. People with disabilities or any type of situation, there's no way that somehow they are less than us. They are stamped with the image of God. And I'll be honest with you, people who've got disabilities, sometimes I feel like understand the ways of God better than we do sometimes. They get it, folks. And sometimes they can see through things that we stereotype about. And I praise God that maybe we can realize this. I believe from the womb to the tomb, every, every life should be protected. From the womb to the tomb, every life. So whether it's any crisis, if there's any kind of situation going on, if the image of God is stamped upon it, that dignity is deserving and they're marked with the image of God. Look, look at this. We looked at Genesis 1 for a second, but I got Genesis 5 here. This is the book of generations of Adam. When God created what? Man. He made him in the likeness of who? God. Male and female, he created them. We're like, we've already seen this. And he blessed them and named him man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own. After his own image and named him what? Seth. Y'all, there's more there than just a simple genealogy going on. The author is making sure you pick up on something real quick. Yeah, Adam was created in the image of God, but, if, but you know, Cain and Abel, that didn't work out so good. Adam and Eve said, we're going to have another child, and so this is what we're going to do. 
Adam was created in the image of God after the likeness of God, but now Seth is created in the image of Adam after the likeness of Adam. What's happening is the image of God is now being distorted upon us, and we are all born into original sin, and that image needs to be restored to what its former glory used to be. At this beginning point in Genesis chapter 5, they're trying to say a shift has taken place. The purity of what Adam and Eve were created no longer exists. We are now marked with the consequences of the sins of our fathers and mothers. From first Adam to first Eve to your mom to your dad to everybody in between. We're bearing some stuff, y'all. The human race has got some baggage, if you will, right? And where we once were intended to be created in the image of God, now we try to create our children not in the image of God, but in the image of us. And that's problematic, folks. Now, there you go. Well, that means they look like you. Okay, potentially. But there's something more important that they're trying to say here is that now sin is making its mark upon us and there, there's something that is changing. Now, th- this last section for us to look at is to be made like each other, but not exactly. And, and the reason why I want to point this out, we kind of highlighted it, that first page of Genesis, uh, it says that in the beginning, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. Now, um, this, I don't even think this would have been a hot topic 10 years ago, not like it is right now. Some of y'all been watching the news this week, haven't you? Right? Some of you have been watching, and I won't get all this stuff exactly right, but the newest thing is this, that there is a college athlete that has just won the national championship in a swimming competition. He was in the hundreds, about three or 400 in the ranking of all college athletes as a male. But now he's identifying as a female, and now he's the national championship and won the national championship for female swimming when just last year he was competing as a male. Now, this is national news, and you can see the pictures, and you can see all the interviews, and all the commentators just having to keep their mouths shut. Now, you go, Pastor, are you you about to get on a soapbox? No, I'm about to get to what Scripture says. There is a difference between male and female. And if you try to remove the distinction, you're not honoring females. You're actually dishonoring them. Because let's just take this is a simple thing. Sports is not the most important thing in the world. It is to some people. But... It's remarkable to watch that last leg of it and just see this guy just blitz by. Um, there are high school and college sports where men are identifying as women, are out-rebounding everybody, and are faster than everybody, and people go, well, what do you do? And, and is that right? And you go, what are you, what are you trying to say? Folks, you know, it was a big thing years ago when there was actually female sports allowed. You know, there used to not be an NCAA division of women's sports. And now, out of respect to women, we want to give them an opportunity to play basketball, to swim, to, to race. It's kind of, hey, you have your sports. And now men are taking over even that realm. In, in the spirit of equality, in the spirit of love, in the spirit of all this kind of stuff, what we're actually doing is defaming the image of God that makes them distinct. And, and, and we're removing what is different. So, so this is, you may go, like, what, what's the big deal? Like, this is happening on your headlines right here, right now, like all over the place. This issue and this issue alone. You know, a lot of people will say, okay, well, you know, we're, we're at a different time now, 2022, and some people feel this way and, and think this way, and they need to be able to be who they've been called to be. And you go, and a lot of times people say, well, Paul was really rough on any type of thing that had to do with gender or sexuality. Leviticus is really hard, but, you know, Jesus never said anything about it. Wrong. Jesus was very clear from it, okay? Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. Jesus is the he here. 
He answered, have you not read that he who, what? Created them from the where? From the beginning made them male and female. Is that clear enough? You might want to know, does Jesus have any thought on gender and sexuality and marriage and equality? He just said it right there. So if anybody wants to say, well, Paul was a bigot, well, then apparently Jesus is too. You know what he's saying here? Hadn't you read in the Bible that from the beginning, don't need to edit it, don't need a new revision, we don't need to get God up to our, our speed of where we are today. Have you not read that the one who created them, by the way, if he created them, he has the right to say how they need to live their lives, right? He created them from the beginning. This is all the way back. We don't need to change now that we're a few thousand years into this thing. He made them male and female. There's differences. There's differences. That's not a bad thing, folks, right? I praise God that I don't live in a world full of just dudes, okay? I'm thankful. I am, I mean, I praise God for that, okay? I, I, I don't want to live in that world, okay? I, I don't want to live in that world. There are similarities that we have between gender, but folks, there, there are also some very distinct differences. Now, people will say, what about this person who biologically just came out differently? You know, kind of, it, it's kind of a mixture here. What you're trying to do is you're trying to make a rule based on an exception. Yeah. Of a minuscule frat. Does it exist? Absolutely it does. Do we have to deal with it? Absolutely we do. What do we address? You don't change the entire society and cultural norms based upon the exceptions. You address carefully and lovingly people who because of the fallen sinful world that we're in and our bodies are all jacked up and nature's all jacked up that sometimes stuff like this happens that you address those situations but you don't go anybody can be a free pass for whoever you want to be, right? So the issue is so if men can identify as women and win all the sports competitions I got two 13-year-olds that are soon to be 14-year-olds or soon to be 15-year-olds. My question is this. In the insurance office, when they go to get car insurance, typically boys get higher insurance than girls do, right? So my question is this. Can they go into the insurance office and say, I identify as a female for this insurance questionnaire right now, right? <laughs> you know, that seems kind of silly. Folks, what's to stop us from going down any road now? There is no stopping. Why? Because they're getting away from what God has done in the beginning. We're rejecting it. And what Romans 1 says, we've exchanged the truth from the Creator for a lie. We have exchanged it. We worship the creature rather than the Creator. Okay? i got to go quick. All right, here we go. God made both males and females. He didn't just make the males and the females just got, got thrown into it. He made both of them, what the Scripture says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God made both, made both males and females. If you think about it, God made the genders very similar, but also very different. Uh, all the brothers and sisters in the room tonight, we share more in common than we do different, right? We all got lungs, right? We all got brains. Some of y'all got brains. A lot of us in the room have brains. Typically we got feet. And there's, there's some differing physical characteristics for sure. Uh, emotional characteristics, okay, you can start stereotyping. and Okay, we all have the capacity to love. But I'll just say this, stereotypically, typically, you ladies are a lot more loving and tender-hearted than some of us fellows are, right? It just is. Uh, a lot of you guys in the room, including myself, we don't really have a fear of a lot of risk, sometimes the way that we ought to, which makes us a lot of times really good to go into battle, right? 
Women are going to be like, I don't know, but if you do this and this guy's not, we're like, oh, let's go, let's charge the line, right? It's like no thinking. And you go, even distinctions on the emotional, mental level, God's wired actually that are good for each other, right? We're similar, but we're also very different. Taking away the distinction between genders is not honoring them, but actually dishonoring them. To say that um, every single person, we need to understand it this way. We are equal in the sight of God, but we are different. And that does not mean that one is better than the other. It does not mean that one is more important than the other. And the taking away the distinction between genders is not honoring them, but actually dishonoring them. I, there are certain things I will look at in my life that you may say, well, as a man, you've been afforded certain things. And some of you may say, well, as a white man, you've been afforded certain things. And I, I get that. But let me tell you something that's very unique. When you, For you ladies in this room that can say that you have carried a child within your womb, that is just something I... I it's, 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 it's unbelievable. I, I just, I go, what an amazing, amazing gift that is. And some of you women are like, have you been in the delivery room? I was there on the... I wasn't, on the, I wasn't in the bed, right? I wasn't the one delivering, but I was like, that's impressive, okay? Like, I, I am in awe. I am absolutely in awe of what my wife is going to do for our family, and I'm just going, I, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm literally caught up, like, in a moment of worship. Like, look at the beauty, the way that God has designed male and female, and with the context of marriage, that the next generation is born, and God has wired bodies not only to be able to create life, but to be able to, to deliver life and to sustain life. And I go, this is beautiful, and that doesn't mean that I need to have what she has. At the end of the day, it, I should respect it and, glor- and glorify God because we go, that's awesome that you do that, and, and I do this, and it, it doesn't mean that we all have to have the same things. It's just No, we, we can see it completely, completely different and honor God in the middle of it. Any culture that cannot esteem both genders will see a breakdown of the family and of the nation, folks. And if you want to see what that looks like, open up your eyes. Any culture that cannot esteem both genders will see a breakdown of the family and of the nation. Folks, if you, if you look on, um, I don't know, just even certain news and award shows right now, the men are dressed like women and the women are dressed like men. Yeah. Even some athletes now, like these incredible athletes, men are dressed like women. The women are dressed like men. I'm going, what, where, what, why are we trying? Why can't we just be what, what's, what's normal and natural that God has created us to be? Here's what we have to understand. There are distinctions between males and females, but both share equal dignity. Doesn't mean that one's got more dignity because there's differences there. We, we should just honor it. I thank God for it. I, uh, I, I praise God that I believe that the way he has made me, I can glorify him in it, and I don't have to be all things. I, 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 I am made in the image of God, and I don't... And, and here's the thing. Let me be straight with you. If God has made me, if I don't like the way that I'm made, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the Creator now. You did a bad job. If, if I think I've created male, I've been created male, but I want to be female, I am looking at God saying, you did poorly. I'd have done differently. That, that is an offense to an almighty God. You don't go look at an artist that can do something that you can't do and say, that ain't right. I could have done better. No, you can't. You can't. you got to trust the one who can make you. In Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I bring this verse up because some of you may go, Wait a minute, wait a minute. My friend one time brought this verse up. You know what that verse is? It's not about distinctions. It's about unity within the church. That's what it's about. Look, when you come to the church, here's the issue in the Galatian church. 
They wanted the people to be Jewish before they were Christian. Do all this works before you actually receive the gift. Because, hey, there's no Jew or Gentile here. There's no slave or free. We're all on the same page. There's no male or female. Not one's better than the other. You are all one in Christ Jesus. It's about unity. It doesn't mean there's not distinction. He's saying there is distinctions, right? There are distinctions. Obviously, there are Jewish and Gentile people in there going, but when you come to the church, not one's better than the other. When you come to church, not the slave is better than free or the free is better than slave. When you come to church, not the male or female. No, you're all one in Christ Jesus. Each of us is at our best when we become who God has called us to be. And human nature is that we were made in the image of God. And one of the best and most glorifying things we can do is not to try to change the image that he created in us, but to be able to accept it and to thank him for it. Psalm 139, as we conclude tonight, it says that you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together where? In my mother's womb. That's pretty specific there, right? All the way back there. He decided some of you are going to have black hair, some of you are going to have brown hair, some of you are going to get to 20 and have no hair. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He decided that a long time ago, right? He decided if you were going to be male or female. He decided what country you were going to live in. He decided what time you were going to be lived in. And in your mother's womb. And then what is his response here? I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And he's talking about what work here? Himself. Now, I don't know the last time you looked in the mirror and go, that right there is wonderful. Okay, now, it, uh, don't go too far with this, okay, folks? You can get yourself in danger a little bit. Some of y'all do that too much, probably. But let me tell you what is dangerous is that every time you look at the mirror and you say, that's not a wonderful work, that is a distorted, messed up work, and God should have done differently. I could have done better. You are fearfully, you are wonderfully made. There is not a template. You are unique. There's nobody like you. There don't need to be anybody like you. And wonderful are God's works, and your soul can know it very well, so that as you follow him and follow him alone, you find out the more that you discover who he is, you find out who you are as well. Let's pray together. Father, tonight we are thankful that every single person here was made in the image of God to bear your likeness, and we find our identity as we understand uh, our sovereign creator who doesn't make junk. And there is nothing that you make poorly, but you make all things well. And so tonight I'm looking at a group of people, red and yellow, black and white, male and female, young and old, from this country and other countries, from the ones that were grown up in the church and those who were just discovering at this point in their life, those who've been a follower of Jesus for decades and those who just started this very day, and all of us made in the image of God. And the image of God distorted through sin that has disfigured upon us, yet is restored through as Jesus Christ, you come and recreate us and your Holy Spirit enlivens us, emboldens us, and recreates us to be able to represent your image while distorted, yet it's being restored through our lives, through our families, through the churches, to this world who needs to see you among the nations. And so God, tonight we praise you because uh, you don't make junk. And uh, you made us fearfully and wonderfully and you made us for a distinct way, for a distinct purpose. And help us walk in that reality for your praise and for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to the Equip Podcast. 
Make sure to check out rockycreek.church for complete notes and additional resources. You can also subscribe to this podcast and get weekly courses delivered to you. We hope to equip you for the work of the ministry.